Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bruiser Nation members of all ages, does everybody know what time it is? It's Bruise Cruise time! So you can talk about the new era, but it doesn't matter to me because I know what you really want. And I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you crave right now. Tonight, I give you the gift of Jericho. Drink it in, man. there, Bruiser Nation. Raise those anchors and get ready to wear the official merch of Bruiser Nation Productions. Visit BruiserNationProductions.KenCustom.com and show the world your love of the Bruiser Nation as you go about your day in style. We have Bruise Cruise Podcast and to the turnbuckle tees, hoodies, jackets, shoes, bags, and even pillows. You heard that right. Pillows. That's BruiserNationProductions.KenCustom.com once again, BruiserNationProductions.KinCustom.com. And remember, Bruiser Nation, stay good, because I'm always good. there bruiser nation welcome to another edition of the bruise cruise podcast the only podcast that brings you pro wrestling for your ears and we have a very special excursion coming up this week on the bruise cruise podcast we have our g1 climax tournament coverage continuing this thursday but tuesday which is tomorrow may 4th we are releasing a two-part, that's two-part episode where I'm calling a match, well, calling two matches to be exact, and including a long, lengthy, conversational interview with my good friend, the main man, Jerry Bishop, out of Wrestle Pro Alaska. And you're like, what? Where did you get meet a dude? From Alaska, well, he's from Ohio originally, and we wrestled, you know, years and 
years and years ago. So you'll hear about all of that. I'm going to call two of his matches. I'm going to split it up into two parts because we ended up talking for like two hours. So we'll split that up. And I hope you enjoy this edition of the Bruise Cruise podcast. So raise those anchors. Get ready to take a ride on the Bruise Cruise with our first match, the Spartan Pitbull, Nikos Rikos versus the modern day classic, Jerry Bishop from Anchorage, Alaska, December 7th, 2019, the I Heart Wrestling Show where Brett the Hitman Heart was there to help them get some people in the crowd and, you know, let them know that they're a legit company. And as we join the action, the Spartan Pitbull is in the ring. It's got a legit jacket on, though. I like that. And here comes Jerry Bishop, ready to take on Nikos Rikos. That place is packed. The MDC, more of a little bit of an old school kind of a guy. Nikos Rikos, I have never seen before, so here we go. I actually haven't seen Jerry Bishop in years. But I'm proud of the dude out there living his dream. Probably the only one that I wrestled that is still out there trying to make it. Bow and elbow tie up right in the center of the ring. Jerry Bishop forces Nikos Rikos into the corner. Pushing back and forth all the way to the other corner. Round and round we go trying to get leverage. Ref is asking for a clean break. Jerry Bishop obliges. Rico shoves him. Jerry Bishop shoves him right back, right back to a bow and elbow tie-up. And a knee to the side. Clobbered over the back of Jerry Bishop. Hard shot to the ribs. Overhand chop delivered to Jerry Bishop in the corner. And another one by Nikos Rikos. Jerry Bishop has gotten himself out of the corner, but he finds himself in the other one. Nikos Rikos right on the attack. Another jab to the midsection. And a third. Fourth. I think that's the fourth one. Oh, double overhand chop to Jerry Bishop. That one hurt. Jerry Bishop's trying to shake it off and hulk up. Delivering a chop of his own. Hard right hand to Rikos. Irish whip into the corner. Nikos Rikos tries to jump over. Jerry Bishop saw it coming. Arm drag by Jerry Bishop. Nikos Rikos in the corner. Big splash by Jerry Bishop in the corner. Hip toss by Jerry Bishop. Nikos Rikos trying to get up and recover. Big body slam. A delayed variety by Jerry Bishop. Taking control. Bounces off the ropes. Hard elbow drop on Nikos Rikos. Cover one, two. Nikos Rikos kicks out at two. Sitting armbar by Jerry Bishop. Nikos Rikos gets back to his feet, forces Jerry Bishop against the ropes, trying to get a little bit of leverage taken off. Now Jerry Bishop is trapped in between the middle and bottom rope in a Irish whip, forcing Jerry Bishop to get choked on the top rope. Double axe handle to the face by Nikos Rikos. Hard driving knee into the spine of a seated Jerry Bishop. Comes back, hits him with a second knee to the spine. 
cover one, two, not enough to keep the modern day classic down. Grabs Jerry Bishop by the hair, forces him head first back to the mat, cover one, two, Jerry Bishop once again kicks out at two. That is not going to be enough to keep the modern day classic down for three. He's got to think of something a little bit more. Jerry Bishop fighting back. Two hard right hands to the stomach. Bounces off the ropes. Ducks under a clothesline by Nikos Rikos. Oh my God. Went for a crossbody. Countered into a double leg splash. Kicks out at two. There was too much. There was too much going on. Jerry Bishop kicked out at two. After a modified code breaker counter delivered by Nikos Rikos. Three hard stomps to the gut. Really working that midsection today is Nikos Rikos. Bowing for the crowd. The crowd is not happy. They are firmly behind the modern day classic. Double stomp to the midsection again of Jerry Bishop. Cover one, two. Jerry Bishop kicks out at two. I have been in the ring this with this man. That is not going to be enough. Holding onto the wrist. Kicks his foot. Right into the face three times. Virtually taunting Jerry Bishop in the process. Tries to bounce off the ropes. Bishop grabs his hand. Eats another boot to the face. Grabs his arm once again. Bishop has had enough of this nonsense. Blocks a hard right hand attempt. Delivers one of his own. Back elbow by Jerry Bishop. Firing back clothesline. Nikos Rikos back to his feet, standing in Seguri by Jerry Bishop to Nikos Rikos cover. One, two, Nikos Rikos kicks out at two. Nikos Rikos looks out of it after that step up, standing in Seguri. Looks like he was going for a bulldog attempt. Nikos Rikos is able to counter it. Hard elbow to the spine. Goes for the backstabber. Jerry Bishop able to grab the ropes. Roll up by Jerry Bishop. One, two, three. Jerry Bishop got him. Jerry Bishop got him and gets the hell out of there. A surprise victory on Nikos Rikos by Jerry Bishop being completely aware of his surroundings. Getting that roll up and taking care of Nikos Rikos. The Spartan Pitbull is pissed. He cannot believe it. Stay tuned, Bruiser Nation, when we come back on part two of our interview slash commentary edition of the Bruise Cruise podcast with a focus on the now main man, Jerry Bishop. Stay good, Bruiser Nation, because I'm always good. Have you ever wanted to start your own podcast? Maybe like the Bruce Cruise podcast? Then I have to tell you all about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. And the best part, it's free. That's right, free. Anchor sports a plethora of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor distributes your podcast for you. So your voice and experience can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. One of the coolest parts, you have the option to make money from your podcast with no 
no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm to get started on your podcast today. Yeah, it was January, it was yeah. January, like, that shit was crazy. Yeah, that, you're totally right. That was That definitely was January. Dude, man, so much That's has what, happened since then. I know, man. Oh, God, it's 14 years. Fuck, dude, we're so old. <laughs> I know, man. I why, why am I still doing this wrestling shit? <laughs> because it's fun as hell. Why'd I get in the ring after fucking 12 years a year ago? <laughs> get serious. I, I thought, man, I, I you got balls for doing that, man. I When, when I, um, I took like three and a half years off, when I moved up here, but you taking like 12 years off, man, that's balls. Dude. Cause I, I know for me, like the first bump I took was, Oh, <laughs> dude, it wasn't even the bumps, dude. I blew myself up on the entrance. It was embarrassing. <laughs> like, I, oh, was blown I, up I know how it goes, go. man. <laughs> and to think how we used to make fun of the ultimate warrior. And then we would, I know, right? And then I turn around and pull an Ultimate Warrior and get gassed friggin' doing it straight up on the entrance because I'm too damn excited. I know, right? I mean, like, nowadays, which is crazy because to think that, like, we used to do this shit every single Saturday, I almost feel like I have to take an antacid because, like, before every single match, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Dude, I was so. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to get blown up out there, you know. And then I'm like, I'm about to throw up before every match. Dude, I was so fucking nervous when I did that match for that promotion out here a couple years ago, dude. I was so nervous. Like, it all went away the second everything was about to get started. But it was like the weirdest shit ever, because like, I was doing Roman camera too. And of course, like mm-hmm. I, I, I like the promoter; he was cool and all. But at the same time, dude, why did you put me on second? I know you want to get like a good match first, but like I had to mm-hmm. be in my you know jeans and a t shirt filming the first match, and then he puts me on second. So I had to like run down to the locker room, change real quick. I mean, I had my gear on under me, you know, my classic basketball shorts gear. And fucking had to run back up just to make the entrance on time. Oh, yeah, that's. I mean, and then it's you, you having to re- try to remember what all you're supposed to do out there. <sighs> and then, like, I tried to chain wrestle with the dude who uh, uh, fucking wrestled with Corey, I guess. But I mean, Corey booked a whole bunch of people, um, like. It's with Corey, like the XWE used to be like, you know, such a a select few, but then it just got to where like, I don't know, Corey changed a lot in a good way in some ways, but then it was just like the, the new XWE, I don't know if you were ever around for that or heard much about it, but he was like booking all these people like in the on the Ohio Indies and a lot of it was just for him to try to like gain favor and then like everybody that worked for the old XWE with the exception of like Jock Sampson and Ron Mathis because they were really well connected themselves like everybody caught a shit rep because of people like Ryan Phoenix going out there and having matches with people like 
that the indie guys he was bringing in and they were, and you know, I love Ryan as a person, man, but he like totally shit the bed. And then, you know, James Draven with his pedophile stuff, you know, just like all the old guys got a bad rep, myself included. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, I went out and like, you just talk to guys like some of them that like personally knew Corey, like, like Dennis Vega, the promoter I ended up wrestling for. Like Mm -hmm. he was the only one that I talked to. That was like cool with Corey. Like I was shocked when I started talking to him. I was like, really? Like Corey? Like, damn, for real? I was kind of surprised. Cause like I, I had heard the bad rep and everything else that had gone on and, I mean, and X being an old XWE guy, man, like there's, you know, you're like, oh, one of Corey's guys, you know, like it's, yeah, it 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 put a stink on a lot of people, you know, which sucks because the good ones, we were all Joe's guys, like to be yeah, hundred percent honest, like me and Jerome and you, yeah, like, we all got brought in by Joe. Like mm-hmm. if I didn't know Joe, I never would have been there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy to think, like, that's how I got my start, considering, like, a lot of the places that I've been and things that I've done, it's just, you know, I mean, I it like, you know, I try to tell people stories, like, that weren't around, where I'm like, man, if you guys had been around back then, like, it was crazy, you know, just the fact that we were doing shows every single week, sometimes like multiple times a week in the, you know, to try to pay for the rent in the building, you know, and I'm like, God, I can't imagine working that much now. It'd kill me. I know. Right. <laughs> like, damn. Like, you remember that, uh, that 4th of July show at the fairgrounds? <laughs> oh God. I wrestled Bobby blue on that. Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> yeah. I just remember oh. having a giant crowd for me and Jerome and the old lady telling him to like, chop me again and shit and then everyone mm-hmm. left because the second match was terrible god i i want to say like that was that was the same show that um uh the braddocks wrestled each other and uh lee braddock ended up going to like the hospital or something because he like had like bruised ribs and i remember them bringing the uh um ambulance or something out there to take him yeah, I think I think you're right. Like, I don't. Mm-hmm. I was so like, me and Jerome worked so fucking hard. I was dead in that ninety oh. degree heat trying to do a match with fucking my best friend beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and it always works when it's like your that. best friend. Oh, you two used to just go in there and just kill it, you know, because you guys knew each other so well. You know, I mean. It got to be like that for me, and I would say probably uh, Chris. If you remember, um, he wrestled as Messiah, and then later on he was Otto. Like, you could just have a match with your eyes closed, you know? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. With, he was really that. good, man. And, like, I honestly, like, it wasn't even ring time for me and Jerome. I mean, we grew up together, and we did a lot of mm-hmm. shooting like just being drunk and stupid and shooting with each other. So it was almost, we could do mm-hmm. anything with our fucking eyes closed. Could you imagine if we had like some of the indie guys that Corey was able to bring in with us then? Oh yeah. We could have like, crazy. we could have made really something of that promotion, but Corey, I think so Corey wasn't in the right headspace. Then he was still trying to be no mini Vince McMahon and shit. 
No. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, like I wasn't even, in, I know a lot of us, myself included, weren't in the right headspace. But I think like if they would have been able to bring in like really good indie talent also, that could have like helped us all along. It would have been awesome, you know, because everybody would have progressed, you know? Yeah. Cause we all kind of just kind of, we were, I don't want to say we were complacent cause we were always trying new stuff, but mm-hmm. we didn't learn anything new cause it was a constant, you know, Ferris wheel of wrestling the same guys basically. Yeah. Like we didn't have anybody that was like a legit, like veteran, you know, to come in and like, be like, Hey, I've been working for this many years. I'm going to show you guys this, you know. And let's be honest, and veterans sh- weren't really that cool back then. Oh, it's yeah, because like we were all now. young. We're like, oh, fuck that. I mean, but even for me, I know, like, I grew up, like, I at least respected wrestling and loved it. And I remember, like, there was a another fed that was within, like, a 100-mile radius, um, like an NWA Ohio or something, and they were booking, like, I want to say like Greg the Hammer Valentine and like some other like, you know, legends and stuff. And Corey was talking about it. And Corey was like, yeah, no one gives a shit about those old has been. And like, even me at 20 years old, like, you know, and not having much respect, like I looked at Corey and I was like, like how fucking like, like you can't say that shit. Like that's just, you know, I, and and being in wrestling now, like, if he were to say something like that in a locker room, like, with some, like, veterans, he'd get stretched. But, you know, a lot of people nowadays have, like, no respect for anything. And it's, you know, I, I'm I'm almost, like, now, like, one of those, I mean, I'm not one of those, like, curmudgeon old, like, guys where I'm, like, fucking kids. But I feel like it sometimes, you know, I I try to be, like, in the middle, you know, like young enough to be, to know what's trendy, but, you know, still like, you know, older. Cause I mean, you know, I can't do the crazy flippy athletic stuff these kids can now. And I know you probably saw it at the show you were on last year was that like, it seems like these kids that are getting into wrestling now are just like, they're super athletic and flippy, but they just keep getting smaller and smaller and smaller and like when i walk in a locker room and i'm like the biggest guy there i'm like okay now i have to change my wrestling style i know that felt weird yeah you're right because at those shows it was like the the top guys were doing like canadian destroyers and shit and like we back Mm -hmm. then we couldn't even think of how to do a canadian destroyer properly let alone give it a shot oh yeah we're like how does Petey williams do that Mm -hmm. and they are small i was like you know, I'm out of shape, you know, 37-year-old dad, but, like, I was still, like, a bigger dude compared to a lot of them other than, the like, the big hosses they had. Mm-hmm. Not that some of them weren't cut, but I'm just like, damn, these dudes are small. I expected them to be a little bit bigger. Like, they're short, man. A lot of these guys are so short and tiny. And... Like- like Mason Ryan, like you know, the like, dude that I wrestled was like a foot shorter than I was. It felt like I was like, Jesus, what wait, is going on? Wait, that guy's name, the, the guy you wrestled's name was Mason Ryan? Yes. Like what? What? Well, I feel like he, like, he, he was like a tag team with Corey and XWE, I feel like. Oh, well, you know, I mean, do you remember the Nexus from from WWE? Yeah. Like the 
because like they had that guy from Wales who was like a Welsh Batista, and his name was Mason Ryan. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's what I'm like. Yeah, like I ended up, I was on an indie show with that guy in like Shinston, West Virginia, and they had like the Barbarian and Kevin Sullivan and a bunch of other people were on it. And I was in a locker room with that guy, and he was, I mean, he was huge. Oh, it was ripped and a really nice guy. I got the names mixed up. It was Ryan Mason. That's why I thought he was an attendant oh, okay. team with Corey because. Oh, you know, Ryan Mason. But I got the names oh, see, I, I was, flopped, but. I, I I think that's oh, it's all, it's all good. It. <laughs> I mean, well, even still, if it was me, I'd be like, and this is just me. Are, are, wait, are we are we recording right now? Yeah, but I'll edit stuff later, like stuff that's not. Okay, necessary. all right, okay. <laughs> I will say like, yeah, I, I don't want to bury anybody. I don't know, but I just look at it like for me, like if I had a name that was too close to like a name, you know, I wouldn't want to like have you know. I wouldn't want to have that, but they, I mean, in hindsight, I'd like to get rid of Jerry Bishop, but I've had it for so long. I'm like, well, it's just who I am, you know? Well, but I, I get what you're saying though, because like, you know, back in the day I was Travis Orton. I was not Travis mm-hmm. Orton when I wrestled, you know, a few years, a couple year and a half ago, I just changed the last name. Yeah. O'Connor. I was like, I can't like, I can't do that. Like, why would I, I can't be associated as Randy Orton's cousin anymore. That's like kid shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just, changed oh, yeah. the last name. Well, and, and you know, like, and with you, it was like, it was, you know, which in hindsight, like, I don't even looking back on it. Like, why did they ever call you Orton? Cause I don't think you look anything like Randy Orton. I have, no I don't know idea. if it was just like your build. Maybe. I think that's what it was. Cause it was Corey's idea. And I think like yeah. we have this a similar build, so I think that's where yeah, like the athletic, from. like lanky and lean, you know, like nobody else had anything like similar to remotely athletic back in those days, you know, <laughs> well, at that promotion. Wrong. Well, I was fucking working yeah. out all the time, and was still never yeah, heavier than a hundred eighty pounds soaking wet holding a brick. Then, but then I stopped wrestling, get a job at a pizza place, start drinking a bunch of beer. I found myself at two twenty five, and it was gross. I was not in the gym at all. Man, Jason, when I started, bro, I was, you know, and you were there, like, when I started, you know, I remember uh, Satch used to call me that David Flair-looking mother effer. Uh, But, I mean, I was like, God, I, I was legit maybe 160. And I, and I wrestled at, like, 160, 170 for years. Up until like 2012-ish, I was able to like break 200. And then in the last few years, like I've put on size and I've really had to work at it. And I've like, you know, like my heaviest I've been was like 255, like almost 260 um, within the last year. Dear Lord. (laughs) I can't even like like, make sure you that like that's like 100 pounds. It's it's insane. Like I mean, if you remember me, how you knew me, like when we met years ago, and then if you go and like watch any of my more recent stuff on YouTube, it's like, I mean, like I kind of sell somewhat similar, but I mean, if you, it, I mean, I got a beard and long hair, and I'm not like ta- scrawny and emaciated, and you're not you know, playing it, a guitar it, anymore. It, 
<laughs> no, no, I got, got rid of that a long time ago. No, no, no fake British accent either. You know, <laughs> it's um, uh. Well, I, I actually started going by the modern-day classic name for a long time there. I just recently got rid of it. Yeah, I, I was wondering about that because you told me that like last year or the year before that you mm-hmm. talked to Joe about snagging the modern-day classic, and then I'm looking at WrestlePlural Alaska, and I'm like, it's just Jerry Bishop. Where'd the modern-day classic go? Well, like the, the commentary team would refer to me as the modern-day classic, but um. I just like really recently, like as in this was probably my first show uh, drop in that. Um, and the main reason it wasn't, it was just one of those things like I kind of felt that um, it's hard to really brand that, you know, it's hard to like make merchandise with, you know, a name like that. Cause I'm like, what is the modern classic? And I mean, it's like, you know, for me, it's kind of what I am, which is like a throwback to like, you know, the 80s, like a Barry Wyndham style throwback, um, you know, like a more of a classic wrestler, which is, you know, in this day and age when you have so many guys doing so many crazy athletic things, you know, it's, you know, me doing something totally different on the card, I think kind of helps me stand out a little bit. But um, as far as like merchandise and, t-shirts and ideas i was like man i really can't think really think of a whole lot of stuff whereas you know i got my my girlfriend with the slayer thing and of course you know you got a a female and women's wrestling so hot right now and she's a total hustler and is always putting her stuff out there and she just makes a killing with her merch and all her crazy t-shirt ideas like the best one that she has is like uh, a logo that's like of her like it has like the crown and the long hair, but it's got like a skull and it's kind of like a spoof of like the, the band Slayer logo. So people can buy, you know, men and women can both have that logo and wear that shirt and it's cool. You know, I just trying to, you know, so that's where the modern day classic thing. I was like, I loved it. It really fit me. Um, I think some feds I might, will probably, I'll probably still go buy the modern day classic thing for a while. But I mean, for like the bigger places and stuff, I'm trying to work. I uh, I ended up switching it up, and I get a different moniker I'm using now, and it's going to be interesting to see how well it goes over. Um, I started going by the uh, the main man, like M A N E, because everywhere I go, everyone keeps calling me the Fab Fabio looking. You know, it's uh, everybody talks about the hair. I'm like. Eh, maybe I can work with this, you know. Yeah, I, th- I could see you working something with that, with the hair being the main mm-hmm. and everything. Even like like a T-shirt with just your face on it, and just kind of make the hair a little bit like brighter and lion colored. That might work. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. Well, like um, I actually had this guy. He makes really good graphics on Facebook and Instagram. His name's uh, The Manzilla. Uh, does great work with like graphics and he made this logo for me. And it's like, like a, it says like my name, like the main man, Jerry Bishop. And it's got like a, the, the J and the B, but like the way that the graphic is, is it's like in, it's almost in like a horse hair. You oh, know, that's legit. I'll, I'll have to send you the logo. Yeah, it looks pretty you gotta sweet. Send me that. 
That mm-hmm. sounds legit, dude. I like, dude. I dig that shit. It's so pro wrestling of you to do that too. <laughs> uh, oh yeah. Well, and and I thought too, like, because I figured, you know, if I'm a heel, like it's the main man, and I'm doing this Fabio, like, you know, almost like maybe a, with a little bit of sprinkle of like a little bit of Rick Martel in there from like the um the eighties, you know, as does the model. But I, I was even thinking about, like, as a heel, having all these crazy ideas um, to where I, I was thinking, like, how would Fabio cut a wrestling promo? So I started thinking about, like, King Booker and how, like, the King Booker character, he would talk with that fake regal accent. And then when he'd get angry, he would start, like, talking all hood as Booker T, like, tell me you didn't just say that. Like, like he was like breaking out of the character with his other character, you know? So I was thinking as a heel with this like main man, like Fabio type thing, I could maybe do a thing where I talk like, you know, all seductive like this. But then when someone makes me mad, um, the whole like white trash Jerry Appalachia comes out, (laughs) you know, like, and I get angry and I like break out of it and start, talking all like trailer park white trash jerry you know listen here you ain't gonna talk to me like i mean i am the essence of all that this man you know like and then kind of like dip back and forth in between the two um and then as a baby face you know it's almost like that whole kind of what i already do like a 80s style baby face is like with the main like you know, I'm the main man. Like, I'm your main man, baby. I'm the main event, you know, like, to where I could still keep, I mean, that's, I'll be a little less Fabio, a little more like just kind of 80s style baby face with the same name, if that makes sense. No, yeah, no, I get that. That Dude, I like that, man. <laughs> oh, shit. That's good enough to work, especially, like, especially if you start heel and then let the crowd decide when you turn face. I mean, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know how much freedom you get in that decision with the promotions you work with. I mean, it is the Indies, so probably a lot. Yeah. But, dude, that would be well, like, so legit. Yeah. It's it's crazy because it, it varies because, man, like some places I go to, you know, because you remember like back in the old XWD days, it was pretty much like do whatever you want, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's like places that you go to to where, um, you know, when you're working out there, uh, in the, or even when you're in the locker room, you know, you're 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 not only given a finish, but you're told, hey, like this this is the person that I want calling the match, you know, like listen to this person, and um, you know, I I I want this as a thing, I you know, like make sure you guys do this spot. You know, I don't or I don't want to see a match that's like this. Um, and they'll tell you to listen to who are you in there with. And of course, they'll give you like a time frame, like sometimes with entrances, without it, it varies. And um, it's a it's it's really, you know, it's different because it seems like the more you go to like the bigger feds for me, the more you have like promoters that really have like a vision of what they want, like. Uh, KM for Russell Pearl Alaska, he's, you know, because he's really particular about his product, man. He wants to make sure that he's 
producing like really good stuff because he wants to have a good brand and I respect that. And for someone like me, man, like I'm, you know, even though I was kind of a pill to deal with when I was young, like back in the old days, because yeah, I was young and stupid, but I mean, I'm so much, I'm pretty laid back and, um, you know, I look at it like it gives me a chance to work with like different talent because he books a lot of like really, really good guys. And I mean, you know, he's the one who's like, hey, man, you know, I knew you grew up watching Matt Cross. I'm going to stick you with Matt Cross in your hometown. I'm like, oh, my God, I watched this guy and I played, you know, used to play this guy on the backyard wrestling. Don't try this at home for PS2 video games. And I'm wrestling. And I'm not and I'm not trying to be like a mark, of course, and I'm totally cool in the locker room. But you know, when you get the opportunity to work with like world-class talent like that, you know, it's something that, you know, you just, as they say, like, you just sit, under, sit underneath the learning tree and just, you know, try to absorb as much. But, you know, like there's some guys, and I, I'm sure like if you look back at some of the guys we used to wrestle with back in the day, like they couldn't handle having that kind of direction. Like somebody saying, okay, this is what I want for a finish. I only want like you guys are going eight to 10 minutes and listen to this guy. Like a lot of people in wrestling are like, Oh, well wrestling is my art and I can't have a match where I'm not, where I have to listen to somebody else. You know what I mean? Which is crappy, but you know, I think that's the difference between like somebody who's trying to be a pro and trying to absorb as much about wrestling as they can. And, somebody who's just like in wrestling for what they can get out of it personally when you know you have fans that are paying to be entertained and you've got to like learn as much as you can and respect like the fact that this guy is trying this promoter uh he or her is like trying to run a business you know what i mean but still be able to enjoy it like a fan it's 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 such a hard medium there yeah, dude, and I mean, like, you're not wrong, because there's, I mean, there's probably, like, five of us that took mm-hmm. constructive criticism well, and that would have, like, succeeded in that type of environment, because we all could have used a little bit more direction, and you can learn, even mm-hmm. if it's, like, a dude that's only been wrestling for two years, but what if those two years has been spent all around the country? Yeah. stop. There's a lot someone like that can teach you. Even if you've been in the business mm-hmm. for five, six, seven, eight years, just but if you're stuck in your own little area and haven't broken out, so to speak, from your home state, there there's all kinds of independent wrestling that it's it's different everywhere you go. I mean, you know this. Oh yeah, man. Like, that was me, bro. I mean, I was one of those like forty milers for a while, like where back in Ohio, like I didn't want to go you know, farther than this amount of distance. But now, like, I'm in Alaska, and then just moving and going to a different area, like, completely changed my mindset, you know, to where, like, I mean, I'll, in Alaska, like, this WrestlePro Alaska tour we did, man, we put, oh, my God, like, 20 hours on the road. I mean, because this is, like, this Alaska is two and a half times the size of Texas. Jesus. And it was like through most of Alaska. It was like going, doing a five hour drive to like this town, you know, 
and my girlfriend and I, man, like we, we drove like nine hours to get to like the first, um, the, the first, uh, town, you know? So, which is crazy. Like I look back on how I used to be like, Oh, I don't want to drive more than an, uh, an hour or whatever it was. Cause you know, a lot of places, you know, back in Ohio, you can do that. And then I come up here and I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll drive five, six hours. Or with me, I'm like, okay, you know, I don't have anything going on. I have like vacation time at work and some money. So I'll just fly down to Vegas and train at, you know, FSW under, you know, like the guys like Sin Bodhi and them that are down there. I'll go to like uh, create a pro um, in, you know, New York City or, you know, go to like a place in Jersey, like or cheeseburger school in, you know, Pennsylvania and all these different places, which I haven't actually gone to all of them. I've been to FSW and Creative Pro um, a few months ago, but, um, you know, just to go learn and, and learn from, from different people, you know, which is, it's just a total different mindset from like what I used to have in that like small, you know, like local, wrestling mindset which is why i think like everybody that's in wrestling you know needs to just at some point just up and move like somewhere really far away and just open their mind up you know because it'll it's it'll it's been really beneficial for me like moving to a place you know closer to japan than i am you know my hometown but it's it's really helped me out i think that's wild. Closer to Japan than Ohio, that is wild as hell. I mean, I know Alaska's yeah. far, but when you put it into words like that, you're like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, I can't see Russia from my house, Sarah Palin, but it's really close. <laughs> it's really close. I mean, I've, and I'm yeah. telling you, I'm like, like, that's what you hear from a lot of the greats, though, like, that that doesn't really exist anymore, but they wouldn't change it for the world because they learned so much going so far away from home and basically being dependent mm-hmm. on themselves and having to make it and grow up and take care of shit while you're wrestling as much as possible. Yeah. Well, and one thing too, is that like, it's, you know, I, I don't know what it is, Jason, but like, you know, when I was young, man, and don't get me wrong, I still love this stuff, but, like, when we were, like, you know, back in the day, I was watching, I was a huge fan for stuff like RVD and Jerry Lynn, which are still great matches, but there, a lot, there was a lot of high spots in there, and, like, as I've gotten older, like, just being around wrestling, I've had people tell me, like, you know, hey, start looking at things from, that are, like, really, really old that no one does anymore. So I'll be watching like a Jack Briscoe versus Dory Funk match, you know, and people will be like, you're watching that old, that, you know, old time stuff. I'm like, yeah, man, because you watch these guys, man, they slap on a headlock. It looks like they're trying to rip the guy's head off, you know, and that's just one of the things that I've kind of picked up and adapted over the years is I've tried to take like the little things that I do and make them look more realistic you know, and like go back and watch some of the stuff from like years ago and bring some of that back, you know, cause there's like so many wrestling moves from even when we were kids in the nineties that like nobody even does anymore. 
and I'll see that and be like, oh, I'm going to bring that back, you know? Nice. Um, Dude, and like, I, I was like, really kind of similar. Like, I wasn't really a high spot guy or a hardcore guy, to mm-hmm. be honest. I mean, you know, most of my stuff was really based on Chris. I was a, yeah. I still am a huge Jericho mark, but I bought all of my mm-hmm. work was based off of like him and Owen and like with little tweaks on the rocks shit, like that, that was it. I wasn't trying to be the lanky guy trying to fly around and I wasn't trying to get like, I did hardcore stuff, but Joe and them always took most of the hardcore shit. When I was in those matches, I stayed away from it all. Like I, I was never really yeah. against it, but it was like, I don't want uh, to be known for that. I want my skin. I, I'm show. with you. And you remember for a while there, like with the old XWE, man, it got to the point where like, like, man, every match was just blood and guts and the crowd was just like a bloodthirsty crowd. Yep. And, and that's what one of the things, you know, like people say about Corey, like Corey catches a bad rap for some things, but man, I, I will give him credit. Like, you know, there was times, and I know that if you were to ask Corey, like right now, he would totally regret it, and I understand why. But I mean, he used to take some crazy, crazy bumps. Yeah, he did. Like, like bumps that were on, and he'd be bleeding everywhere, and be like, "Man, like, you don't have to do all of that, <laughs> like, you know." And of course, I know now, looking back, he'd be like, "I wish I never would have done it." Same, and I know Deacon said the same thing, you know, like. You know, with Deacon, you look back on the stuff that he did when he was really young, like, you know, Fire and who was that? Was that guy like Deranged or something like that? I was think his so, name? yeah. God, yeah, I like about going through <laughs> Fire and doing Weed Whackers and stuff. And then, you know, Deacon decided, like, I'm going to start doing, like, you know, more traditional wrestling. But, I mean, when you've already put your body through that kind of stuff, you know, you've, you've put your body through that stuff. That's why, like, you remember, I don't know if, I don't think you wrestled in the warehouse building, but there was like a, a second story to it, like above the ring, like above the top rope. And I remember like myself and Damian Braddock, like wrestling him and just not even calling it and just jumping up to the top rope, grabbing a hold of like the platform to, to climb up to the second story and just running and jumping what felt like, 15 feet in the air for like a run, running elbow drop. And Timmy looks at me, he just looks up and just moves out the way. And I just eat it with a, with a flat back, like from that, that height, Jeez. you know, I look at it now. I'm like, I would never do that. Oh, hell no. Especially for 20 people, you know, but you know, when you're 19 or 20 and you're like, I can get hit by a truck and feel like I'm fine. You know? Yeah, those were the days. It really didn't matter. A couple aspirin and you're good to go afterwards. Like, I would, I do wish, like, you know, it's fucking like commonplace now to say, you know, if I knew then what I know now, like, that, that crowd was like bloodthirsty to a point. But the people mm-hmm. we had in the crowd loved wrestling because, like, they they did they they loved it regardless. Like, not when we were at the fairgrounds, they kind of gave up on us. But like in mm-hmm. that little like two story area that was right on the the main street of Logan, like, yeah, those people loved it. I still miss the drunk guy. 
Those oh, were the God, most fun parts, dude. Like arguing around with the drunk guy who only liked the baby faces, but he was always into it. And a lot of our fans were just into it <laughs> just because wrestling was around. Fuck, I missed that. <laughs> oh, man. It was, and you know what? Like at the time, I remember some people would get really mad and others would be like, damn it. But honestly, like it kind of made you a better wrestler because, you know, a lot of us were kind of learning as we went. But we'd be in there, and you mentioned the drunk guy, Tony. Um, I remember, like, if you were, like, calling a spot or something, Tony would yell at you from the crowd, quit talking! <laughs> I forgot about that. So, like, yeah, he'd be like, quit talking! So I remember, like, you you had to be, because of him heckling you, you know, all of us learning as we went, because like you said, we didn't have any veterans to learn from. It was just kind of learn as you go and you had these fans these people that were paying their hard-earned money you know to go to this every week and like tony kind of doing that kind of made you better because you had to be a lot sneakier about how you did your stuff with him there and i just think back to that time man like you know if i knew then what i knew now like you were saying bro i would have had t-shirts and merchandise because know, right? those fans were paying their hard-earned money to come see the same people. And like every single week they were, and it was like a weekly thing. Like they watched Monday night raw and they went to XWE on Saturday. And sometimes we have, you know, Oh, we got to They got to pay the rent. So, Hey, we're going to have a special Tuesday show too. Or the big monthly event is going to happen on a Wednesday, you know? Like people were paying their hard-earned money to go watch this. Or and, Friday, you know, Saturday double header when I had to work both days, so I had to drive yeah. back and forth. You know, it's it's crazy, and like because you know you do a lot of indie shows now in some areas. I think we're we're like you know because I mean the indies are more popular now, which is a good thing that there's more places to work and stuff. But you know, a lot of the fans, a lot of times. I feel like maybe it's just a change in wrestling style and people are, there's so much more appreciation for the athleticism because the athletic stuff that people are doing now is like so off the charts. But I think in that sense though, also, and I'm not trying to sound like Jim Cornette or anything because I agree with a lot of the stuff that he says, but you know, I mean, like I said, I, I'm trying, I try to be like kind of, old school meets new school, you know what I mean? And not like, you know, I hate when I have like new school fans and new school wrestlers that are like super disrespectful, but I also hate like how you have like a lot of the old school people that just bury everything new, you know, like trying to find that medium. But one of the things I think that's lost on the fans a lot of times now, and maybe the wrestlers is that people don't really work to make an emotional connection with the fans like you know anymore you know what i mean like like there there's no dusty roads anymore you know to where the people like are just coming to the shows because of what he said on the mic you know i mean i i would say maybe daniel bra as from me as a fan you know, because you've you've always got to be a fan. If you're in, even if you're in wrestling, you've been in wrestling for for years. Like, if you're not a fan deep down, like, you're just gonna be bitter. You know, you've got to enjoy this. But I think like Daniel Bryan, you know, at least 
when you look at his run from like seven years ago, like he's like the last guy that I think the fans were really, really emotionally invested in. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's those moments or like Edge coming back at the Rumble after nine years and you see people in the crowd crying. Like grown men are crying. You know, like that's what I think is lost on not just the wrestlers maybe, but maybe like the wrestling fans too. Like they're so focused on like, oh man, that was so awesome. Like they did that cool, awesome spot and there's like not that much like I really hate this motherfucker except for MJF he's the only guy that's able to get away with it that people are you know like in the PC day and age like he's allowed to say whatever he wants to and people like want to hate him and you know he's like the greatest heel in the business in my opinion Oh, dude, but there's I, like I agree with you 100% on that. He really is. He really makes people hate him. And he's mm-hmm. so good in between the ropes, too. Like, and I think yeah. you're right. Like, the, oh, the he young is, I guys mean, are so worried about getting their shit in instead mm-hmm. of telling it's, them. It's the true. Story. And it's everywhere, man. It's everywhere. It really is. And I, I wish, you know, if to, that, the, like we were talking about Tony the drunk guy earlier. Like, he made me a better heel. I never got heckled mm-hmm. for calling spots and shit because I was normally I was paired with Jerome or Joe or someone that I'd wrestled countless times. And you didn't have to call shit. didn't have to call anything. <laughs> but, like, yeah. mm-hmm. I would always hear him talking shit to me, and it, it made me a better heel reacting to his reactions, and it got the mm-hmm. crowd invested because they were getting pissed off because I'm yelling at this old drunk guy. And you're, I think oh, yeah. you're right. Like you see it sometimes where they get emotionally invested. Like Cody Rhodes is really good at getting people emotionally invested when he's invested. Yes, definitely. And of course, he is like, too. like Chris Jericho. And as you said, Daniel Bryan, I think Randy's there too. Like Randy's gotten oh, yeah. so much better. Oh God. Well, and Randy Orton is one of those guys like, you know, I, you know, the smart marks, I think shit on him because of how he killed troll them on the internet. But like when you're in rest, you know, I mean, and I mean, I mean like the smart marks who just want to pop the high spots, but like when you're a wrestler and you, and you get into it and you watch a guy like Randy Orton, Randy Orton is so good. Like it, he is excellent. And he makes it look like he's not even trying. Like Randy Orton could go out there and just go through the motions and be better than like everybody out there. And then when he turns it on, like it's ridiculous, especially as a heel, you know, like when he's invested. And I mean, I'm talking like as a fan, because I look at it like I'm in no position to critique anybody that's doing better than me. I'm just saying like from like a fan perspective, but somebody who's also in wrestling too, like Randy is so fucking good at everything, and, and he makes it look effortless. It he always like low key has been like I mean like he had to work oh, from on day one, his yeah. mic skills a little bit, like because he mm-hmm. got with the heavy hitters like the the rocks <laughs> and Chris and and Steve for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. and they just kind of 
buried him on the, not intentionally, but they were just so much further along be, because Randy could go out there half-ass everything and it still looked like a million dollars. Oh, yeah. Like, I still say, like, I to mean, this day, if I wanted a five-star match and I had two choices, it would be Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton because I could walk into a ring with those two in an hour and they would make me look like a million dollars. Oh, yeah. I'd be gassed <laughs> in two minutes, but that, that that's besides mm-hmm. the point. They, th- those two could make me look like a million dollars, and I'm sure Chris Jericho could too, but those two are just – their talent level is off the charts, and it's weird how, oh, yeah. how like we're talking about it and the, and the world of wrestling as a whole talk about those two mm-hmm. and the different journeys that they've had to be in that like upper echelon of never doing anything bad at this point. Even bad stuff Mm -hmm. is great when you're talking about Daniel Bryan and Randy Orton. Yeah. And those are guys like, can you even, I, I, I really can't even think of like a Randy Orton or a Daniel Bryan botch. You know, off the top of my head, I like, don't think I can either. You know? Like, I can, there's nothing. There, I, mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's there's really no holes in their game, especially. I mean, I love Randy, but especially Daniel Bryan. Like, who doesn't love Daniel Bryan? That American oh, yeah. Dragon man, he is such a beast. Yeah. Well, and and that's why, like I was saying about how people were emotionally invested, like that whole storyline where, like, leading to him getting the belt and then losing it and then kind of you know the whole you're a b plus player and everything that led to wrestlemania 30 like the peep and you know and the crowd chanting daniel bryan the whole show like and the people could just they just got i mean he was always a phenomenal technical and well-rounded wrestler and he had charisma even back in roh that i think a lot of people like really didn't see, but like at that point with WWE, you know, I mean, he, he had proven he was a really good wrestler, but you know, he hadn't got the chance to really showcase what he could do character wise, but then people were just so invested in him and, and knew like, this is a good guy and he's a really good dude. And he really, really loves this. And that's how I think he was so beloved, you know, by the internet and by all the fans and how people just were really, really invested in him. And that's, like I said, I, I think that in a lot of ways, um, and I don't mean, I mean, because of course there's some exceptions, but I mean, just like overall, you know, like people, and I get, you know, that it's not like the eighties when wrestling fans were like little kids and stuff. Boy, you know, aside the NWA was always more like older fans, I thought. But, you know, I, I think that I know I'm getting off on a tangent here, but I think that, you know, people just don't get as invested like emotionally uh, like they used to. Like you look at some of the angles and storylines that happened when we were kids, like you and I can still talk about them like, you know, like Jake the Snake Roberts, as hokey as it was, like having this snake bite Randy Savage, you know, like and the kids and people screaming in the crowd. And like, you know, you can look back on that and stuff and still 
or like WrestleMania eight with Roddy Piper and Bret Hart when like, you know, they had that baby face, baby face match. And he's like going to smash him in the head with the freaking ring bell. And the crowd's like screaming, like, don't do it. And then he like, he's about to lose his shit and flip, but then he like stops and then they wrestle the match. And then Roddy, you know, Brett beats him, but he pulls him in and like hugs him. Like, you know, it, like everything, you just like kind of felt more emotion back in the day, if that makes sense. No, no, I feel you 100%. Because like, as you bring that up, I start thinking like one of the greatest cage matches I've ever seen was Brett and Owen. And it wasn't oh, because yeah. like it was a five-star classic. It was the emotions involved and the little things they did that where they would like when Owen dove for the cage looking like a 12-year-old. Like it was just mm-hmm. the way they do things. Like I don't even think you could pull like it. No matter how hard you tried, you couldn't pull a WrestleMania 13 double turn these days. Nobody cares enough. No, no one. Can and get you can't invested. book that. No. Yeah, like exactly. Like like you can't. You couldn't book a double turn like with two over personalities like that. Like you can't book that. I mean, maybe if you're Paul Heyman or something. But I mean, even you got to have like the right the right ingredients and like that moment of Steve Austin, like with the blood going down his head and into his teeth, man, like that's like etched in our minds, you know, think about, you know, how many great matches we've had, like lots of athletically really great matches in the last 10 years. But, you know, try to think, I try to think back on like what's been like a real, moment to where like you've been invested where you've been like legitimately angry or you've got a grown man crying you know like watching it you know what i mean or like you're excited and you know i mean it's though i think we still have those moments but they're kind of few and far between and i think if people can like bring back some of that old school like you know getting people emotionally invested and add what they can do athletically. I think the, you know, the sky's the limit for the business. And, you know, I think also what help, what I think we need to the wrestling business. And some of what you think about this is like a little bit more legitimacy in that, like, you know, people do a lot of cool moves, but I think maybe they kind of push it too far with the whole, like, I kicked out of this and this and this and this and you know, the holds that we're doing don't look super crisp, but then like people can turn on UFC and see like the baddest dude in the world getting choked out in like three minutes or submitting to an arm bar. But in wrestling, it takes like 85 pile driving flips, you know, I don't know. Do you see what I'm saying, though? Well, they're taken away from the big moves because people keep kicking out of them. I, I see exactly. What exactly. You're and it's like. I mean, and, yeah, like, I, I'm, I'm not saying don't be athletic. I just think that, like, sometimes we push the disbelief too much to where people are like, I, I'm into it, I'm into it, I'm into it. And I'm like, oh, okay, now that's, that's a load of crap. He would never kick out of that in real life. Well, so the this earliest example, like from recent shows, was Stand and Deliver. I thought Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole was a great match, but they pushed it too far. They wrestled way too long, and 
and Adam Cole mm-hmm. just beat the shit out of Kyle O'Reilly with everything that wasn't latched down. And after a while, I just it took me out of it. And I love both of them. And Kyle O'Reilly used to be an mm-hmm. MMA guy, as we all know. But it's like there's only so much you can take. Like I'm driving to Jacksonville next week to be in blood and guts, and I'm super excited. Like I can't wait to watch it live because I was going to go to Jersey when they were going nice. to have it. But I'm I'm a little worried they might push it too far. Like I, I think the ten people in it can keep that from happening, so not one guy's taking too much punishment. But at the same mm-hmm. time, in the back of my mind, I'm like, don't don't pull me out. Just keep it. it with somebody like Chris Jericho, I think a good chance that they won't like push it so far that you can't believe it. But in mm-hmm. the back of my head, I'm like, yeah, don't don't push it too far. And they don't. And back to the kicking out of everything. There's only like one or two protected finishers in the business right now, and th- they're both in AEW. The one winged angel, angel, and the Judas Effect. I can't think of anybody yeah. else that's so protected. Maybe the Claymore kick, maybe, but even that's mm-hmm. pushing it. Like because it took three to beat Lesnar, and I don't think anybody's kicked out of it. But that trend that Austin and Rock started got way out of hand real quick yeah i'm with you i mean and it added drama but i mean like you know i i kind of remember being a fan even back in like you know 2001 when austin was a heel and he was feuding with kurt angle and even as a fan like i remember you know when uh they were feuding and kurt angle was babyface and i want to say like Kurt Angle, I might be exaggerating a little bit. It might have been like three, but I, I, for some reason in my head, I remember, in my memory, I remember like them, the commentary team saying like, Kurt Angle kicked out of five stunners. And I'm like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the stunner was like the most over move in, in wrestling, you know? And now everybody's kicking out of it. Even when it's like, I, like, I, I can see it when like, I, for example, when Kevin Owens does it. He doesn't do it mm-hmm. as good as Stone Cold Steve Austin, so maybe it would take more than one. But that thing's devastating if you really do it to somebody. I mean, you're dropping their throat on your collarbone and your shoulder blades. That's going to be devastating, and it should be kind of sold and finished that way. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, and a lot of the moves, I think, are are like that, too. And then you just kind of tell the fans, like, oh, well, this isn't, this doesn't really hurt because, you know, we can kick out of it all the time. Like the Whereas, like, um, yeah. Well, I, I mean, would you say that maybe Bobby Lashley's hurt lock is, is kind of protected right now? Because I haven't seen anybody break that. No, one, no one's broken yeah. that, have they? Yeah, that would be in the same conversation. The, the hurt lock, definitely. It's super. I mean, he won the title with it. It's super protected yeah. right now. And he went over McIntyre too, and that's that's what at Mania, and that's one of those things too. Like, you know, I remember Joe Napier and I were talking about this like back in the day. Like, you know, even though we were both Hogan fans as kids growing up, Joe Joe talking about like, you know, being on a playground and being you know seven years old, and you know doing a leg drop to your friend and they get up, you know, and you're like, okay. I mean, of course, you know, you probably didn't connect, you know, on a shoot, you know, the right way. But talking about then, you know, Bret Hartson is the man and you're doing like Bret Hart moves. Like you put somebody in the sharpshooter or you put somebody in 
some of the holds he was using and you're like, okay, wow, this is real. Like this actually hurts, you know? And as a little kid, you can, I, I try to have that mindset because, you know, I think like every, you know, I have an 11 year old son and I know if my son is wrestling around with his friends and, you know, in his mind, he might know wrestling is, you know, fake or entertainment or whatever you want to call it. But if a kid puts him, if a kid that's like really big puts him in a shoot freaking full Nelson and is cranking that neck, you know, it's going to hurt him. And then every time he sees Bobby Lashley do it, you know, especially with how big Bobby is, he's going to be like, oh man, like he, he can't get out of that. Like, cause I, I know that pain. I know what that is, you know? Of course, I'm not advocating that every little kid should go out and try to emulate all the moves they see on TV. No, that's but that's a one of those idea. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, we did it, but I mean, yeah, we turned out you know? just fine. <laughs> yeah, we turned out just fine. But you know, like you look back, and I mean, uh, you know, I put my, I was put in the sharpshooter as a kid, and realized this shit hurts. You know, like you could break somebody's back you know, if you really cranked it in. So, like, it's believable that you would end a match with it, you know? Like, the same with, with the full Nelson, which you're like, oh, that's not flashy or spectacular. Like, motherfucker, that's real, you know? Mm-hmm. Brock Lesnar, and that's what I think is good about the MMA influence um, to an extent is, like, you know, Lesnar doing a freaking key lock or a Kimura, whatever you want to call it, you know? You watch UFC and you see people get their arms broke, you know, and people know, okay, that's, that's real. You can, you know, you can really mess somebody up with that. Or if, and if you learn how to do it, you do it on your friend, you're like, Oh my God, you're going to snap my forearm in half. You know, I'll never forget the first time Joe put me in the sharpshooter. We, we were still shooting back then. I mean, this Uh was like freshman, sophomore year in high school. And I mean, I'm like, (laughs) I'm fucking 90 pounds or some stupid shit. And Joe's always been big. Yeah. My knee locks Mm -hmm. up on me and he wasted no fucking time, showed no quarter and threw me in the sharpshooter so fast. And I I tapped out like, oh, that's Joe. It was the worst pain ever. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget that day. This one dude was like watching us like because we were just out in his front yard you gotta put some weight on or mm-hmm. something but like joe had one of the best sharpshooters i've ever seen like of course Brent he, hart and owen hart's had yeah. the best ever but joe was so mm-hmm. good at emulating that stuff and doing it perfectly i oh i i would agree a hundred percent and I, he probably looked like a 38 year old man back then like yeah he did for sure <laughs> he Oh, dude, like Joe had like that Arn Anderson like going on because, you know, I didn't realize it as a kid, but like in like the horse, the four horsemen days, like in the 80s, like Arn Anderson was in his late 20s, but he was like super bald. Like Joe totally had that going on. Like, like this dude forever looked 38, 39 years old. Yeah. Like he looked that way. In, he looked the same in 04 that he that he does now, you know? <laughs> but I mean, he had a great sharpshooter. Another thing, and I'll say this too on the Indies, um, Joe had one of the best pile drivers that I've ever seen. And like Joe is that one guy 
you know, looking back on it, I've taken neck bumps from people. I don't want to put them out there publicly because I know, you know, now I know we're recording, but <laughs> there were some people that there, that's all good. Like there were some people I know that, um, uh, from other, uh, regions of Ohio back in like the 2007 ish or whatever that came down to the XWE um, that, that Corey had booked. And it wasn't that Corey booked anybody bad or anything. It's just, you know, these guys were supposed bets, but I took an Emerald few 